the millennial way. A podcast made for the on-the-go millennial, giving you tips and advice on how to up-level your career, teaching you the things they don't teach you in school. When they ask why, just tell them it's the millennial way. Here's your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Way. Now, today's guest, today's guest is special. Let me tell you that. This is a guy that I've known since I was three, maybe four years old. I mean, shoot, I can't even remember how long we've known each other. That's how long it's been. We went to preschool together. We're in the same kindergarten class. We ended up playing basketball together, baseball together, football together. I mean, you guys name it. We grew up together from the age three till, I mean, shoot, we're roommates now. (laughs) Um, As you guys know, the NBA playoffs are in full swing. We have the Eastern Conference Finals with the Raptors versus the Bucks. Game one is actually tomorrow. And tonight, the Warriors took down the Portland Trail Blazers. I'm kind of salty about it because I want this game, this series to go to seven. Selfishly, because I want to go down to go down to Portland and go watch a game because I think it'd be sweet. But regardless, Steph Curry is out here dropping dimes, making threes like he normally does without KD, and it's a lot of fun to watch. As you guys know, I love 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 basketball, so it's always a great time watching the NBA playoffs. But let's get into this. I mean, I I'm so excited right now. We've been trying to get this done for a while, and the fact that we live together is just icing on the cake. So y'all, I want to introduce you guys to my good friend, my brother, my man, Thomas Canedo. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Chase, I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, cannot wait to get into it here. I love it. I love it. Now guys, Thomas is a graduate of Clemson University, and yes, I hear more than enough about Clemson football. It's a fact. Um, to the point where I'm always like, man, do I, did I go to Clemson? Um, but now Thomas works for the Seattle Seahawks as an account manager and corporate partnerships. And I know that the sports industry is very confusing at times. We see NFL players making $80, $90 million. We see NBA players and MLB players making hundreds of millions of dollars. And I could confirm for you guys that Thomas doesn't make that money yet. However, he works on the business side of things and it's so, so interesting to me. And I know that a lot of other people want to break into sports. So Thomas, can you first tell us about a little bit about your journey and like a short recap on how you kind of got to the Seahawks? Sure, absolutely. So uh, it all started back junior year of college at Clemson. I was, you know, more or less just a uh, desperate college junior uh, looking for any opportunity I could in, in sports. You know, sports has always been a passion of mine. Uh, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, tennis, soccer, anything, I'm I'm all in for it. So oh, yeah. sports was the industry that I wanted to get into, was searching for everything frantically. Um, saw a position online with my hometown, uh, Atlanta Falcons. Yes, sir. Rise uh, up. Rise that's up. Right, that's right. Rise up. And uh, it was just a 10-week internship over the summer with training camp. And uh, honestly, I got incredibly lucky to uh, be awarded the opportunity to work for 10 weeks over the summer. And uh, when I got that opportunity, I kind of knew that this was something that would open the door for me, and I wasn't going to let that door shut. And so I was the person that showed up early every single day to work, left late. I volunteered for every single event that I could just to gain experience, show that I was just willing to work hard and go the extra mile and and just be a sponge and, and learn as much as I could. And so... Um, as, as that internship started winding down and I was uh, getting ready to head back to school, 
Um, I asked my old boss, I said, hey, is there anything else I can do to stay involved? I just want to be part of this organization. I want to be in sports. I know this door is open right now and I have an opportunity in front of me. I want to do anything I can to stay in this industry. And so she mentioned that they always need a little bit of extra help on game days. There's a lot of things going okay. on, in-game features, pre-game activations, all over the tailgate lots. You got bodies everywhere. So they always could use an extra hand on deck. So um, she mentioned that and I said, absolutely, sure. I, I would love to help out on game days. And she mentioned the small caveat that there would not be pay included. Oh, small caveat. <laughs> small caveat, small caveat. So. So I said in my mind to myself, honestly, that doesn't matter. To me, it's more about the big picture and staying involved with this organization and keeping my face relevant. So I volunteered to drive down from Clemson on Sunday mornings at about 4.30, two hours down to Atlanta to be at the Georgia Dome at uh, about 7, 7.30. I, I you know, left some time for Starbucks in there. And um, Coffee is key in that, in that especially, I mean, you, you're coming from college on a Saturday night, right? Everyone knows what goes on on Saturday nights in college, and you're leaving at 4.30 a.m. And in college, there's nothing that's stopping you from going out that night, so I can only imagine how much the coffee really helped. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a crucial factor in getting me going the next morning for sure. But yeah, like you said, I mean, Clemson game days were on Saturday. Mind you, this is the fall. We're in the heat of Clemson football season, and you know as well as anyone my obsession level with that. So... <laughs> So I, I made some sacrifices, but you know, it was one of those things where I just said, like I said earlier to myself, that I'm not going to let this door close. So I drove down 4.30 in the morning, worked 10 home games that fall. And so when it came time to hiring for a full-time position for the next regular season, okay. my name was at the top of the list. I love that. So went through the interview process, had some funny experiences. They had me uh, stand up on the Skype interview and spin around to make sure I wasn't wearing just the top half of a suit and to make sure that I was wearing the entire thing uh, and that I was taking it seriously. And uh, Luckily, I was. And um, so I passed the, uh, you know, the follow-up test and, um, you know, really wanted to crush that next opportunity. I had a little bit of experience under my belt and and I, I kind of took a leadership position with our intern class, kind of helped accelerate the learning curve for a lot of my counterparts, and uh, just really took ownership of everything that I did with the organization that fall. So that all worked out great. That was uh, was wonderful. Really, really enjoyed my time with the Falcons, and they're an excellent organization. But Atlanta, it was where I grew up, had yep. lived there for 19 years, loved that city to death. But it was just time for a change. You know, I mentioned Clemson's only two hours away. The Southeastern culture is very similar. So I just wanted to experience something new. So I made a similar jump to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> from <laughs> the, one coast to the other. The cross-country jump. And before we even dive into this, I want to touch on a couple key points that you sure. said. Because I think some things that you're talking about are really important. And the fact that, one, it was important enough to you to, one, take no pay on Sundays in a place where you were three hours away, right? Now, Clemson is not necessarily the easiest drive to get from Clemson to Atlanta, regardless of what, I mean, people don't even commute 45 minutes to work on a daily basis. So to, com so to commute for three hours on a Sunday and then have to get back for classes on that Monday is super telling not only to people out in the world, but to your boss, right? And for me, it's showing the fact that you are so into this and that you really want to actually get the job that you're willing to give up your Sundays in college. You're willing to drive three hours there and then another three hours back. That's a six yeah. hour commute during the day. People don't even realize that. Yeah. And you took no pay. 
So this was your gas money. This was your food money. That was your coffee money. And it was so important to you, Thomas, that you were like, you know what? Forget this. I see the bigger picture. I'm not going to let this door close. They gave me a chance to work for them as an, as an intern. And now they're giving me the opportunity to work for them on Sundays, on game days. And because of that, I'm going to continue going along with this because who knows? It might turn into a full-time job, which it did, right? It did. And then it's like it kicks off your career. It gets you going. And then you get to make more decisions moving forward on what you want to do based off of what you want to do, not based off of what the organization is telling you. So... We'll get back into the the cross-country jump now, but I just had to say that because I think that that's a really important recap, especially as people are thinking about unpaid internships and thinking about going into like the workplace that they want. A couple episodes ago, ago, Brandon Max mentioned that he started his own business to really help get that experience, and it's like you can't really necessarily start your own sports organization that costs billions of dollars, right? I mean, (laughs) we're no Dallas Cowboys out here. We can't. You're not Jerry Jones, exactly. But what you can do is you could take that chance, take those opportunities to really help get that extra experience, and then, like you said, when you went to go apply for the job, your name was at the top of the list, and it was almost like it was an easy interview process and like you again they made you stand up and do a twirl i'm telling you this i would have been in my damn boxers so i would have been like oh, are you guys sure you want me to do this like i'm thinking you guys are going to see a little bit more than you want to but kudos to you for doing that and now let's let's dive into what what you're about to say about making that cross-country jump because we know that's not easy right right so yeah picking up where i left off there was uh jumping across the country so picking up where i left off i uh Wanted to get a change of pace, wanted to experience something new, especially when I was young. And so I jumped across country to uh, Seattle, where I not only have one of my best friends here, but I also have some family. So I luckily had a support structure to get me on my feet. Um, But one side caveat is that I don't think it's a secret when I say that the sports industry is something that's very hard to infiltrate. And people don't leave their positions. They stay locked in and they stay with those organizations for a really long time. So when I decided to make the change and I was finishing up that internship with the uh, Falcons, there was nothing available. So I just had to find something to do. So one thing that I've always wanted to get into and one thing that I've, I've always been passionate about was sales. And, mm-hmm. and there's an aspect of that that is you know, working for yourself, but also furthering the interests and profits of your organization as Absolutely. well. Um, so I think it's kind of a two-pronged sore and it's just something that I've always you know, been well-connected with. So... And you're a natural salesman. I mean, come on. <laughs> you're making me blush here. You can't you're see pitching me on camera. Ice cream all the time. Come on. Blush. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so, but sales is the elusive skill, right? Sales Absolutely. is, is you, no one's going to get a sales position if they don't have sales experience. Absolutely. So I decided to do whatever it took. So I found a craft brewery out here in Seattle. Said, you know, sports is my main passion. That's definitely where I want to further my career. But, you know. Beer is a great hobby as well on the weekends. So. I could I could sell some alcohol. Yeah, what, not? What's wrong with talking about some great flavors with some great people? You know, so went into the uh, beer sales gig and uh, you know worked my butt off. Really tried to uh, be a sponge again. That's that's a big word for me is is being a sponge and and not only just learning from those around you, but trying to further and better yourself at the same time. It's it's a really important um, skill to have in the work world. So. So I sort of took the same approach that I did with the Falcons in that I was just going to show up early, stay late, volunteer for every single event that I could, and, you know, just maintain that relevance within the company and continue to build my skill set. And while I really enjoyed who I worked with and I really enjoyed the beer environment, 
it just didn't feel like it was home. And ironically enough, when I was finishing up that position and thinking about making a move to my, uh, my next profession, uh, the Seahawks ironically had a job opening in corporate partnerships, the same Boom. exact department. So uh, went through the interview process with them, was nervous as anyone going through it, felt like I was starting from square one. It was a new team. It wasn't my old boss. It wasn't my old department. It was, you know, a little bit foreign to me. Um, but again, I, I prepped for all the interviews, did my research, found out what the team was doing, what they were doing in the community, how they were activating things, just a whole overall structure evaluation and uh, was lucky enough to get the position. I love that. I love that. And Thomas, one thing that you left out that I think is really important again was you were commuting freaking far to the brewery. I okay, was. that was like another hour, hour and a half drive, which it turns into, again, a three hour commute because you gotta go there and then you gotta come back. And I think it's important that you went out and found something that you were able to gain another skill for to help you get to this next position, right? Absolutely. You were like, I'm going to be a sponge. I'm going to learn. But at the same time, I got to work my ass off in order to get into the Seahawks. And you went out, you worked for a craft brewery, which is a fun job at the end of the day. You get to yeah. go to beer events. I got to go to a lot of beer events with you. I <laughs> mean, I'm profited a... nicely off oh. the uh, beer job. <laughs> yeah, my, my overhead on that one was pristine, right? <laughs> 2x ROI on that one. No, I'm kidding. But... In reality, you went out and you worked your ass off and you took a chance again on yourself. But at the same time, you knew that you were able to gain in these attainable skills that you needed in order to get that next position. Because again, you saw the bigger picture, right? right? And that leads into my next question about the Seahawks and corporate partnerships. We'll get into that because I know a lot of people don't necessarily know what a corporate partnership is. I mean, it's still... It was foreign to me, right, until you got the position, and I hear all about it all the time, which I actually really enjoy, but would love to understand the culture with the Seahawks versus the Falcons, right? Because when I think about both teams, you talk about the Southeast versus the Pacific Northwest, two of probably the most completely different places in the United Absolutely. States, and you're talking about a completely different culture, too. Now, the Seahawks have the Legion of Boom. They won a Super Bowl. They played in Super Bowls. And I'm not going to talk about the Falcon Super Bowl that you were there for because that still <laughs> hurts me in my in my heart. But at the same time, the Falcons haven't been able to see the same success that the Seahawks have. So would you say that there's an expect a higher expectation with the Seahawks in order to be excellent? Or would you say that, like, I, I don't even know where I'm getting at right now. It's just a matter of, like, how would you compare and contrast the, the cultures between the two? So fan perception is one thing, and, and I would definitely say that in the best way possible, the Seattle market is pretty spoiled with the successes of the Seahawks. I mean, 11 playoff appearances in the last 15 years, number two in total Super Bowl appearances since 2004 with three, second in playoff wins over the last 10 years or so. Okay. So they are really on a hot streak right now, yeah. especially compared to the rest of the history when they were an expansion franchise and they got a slow start. Um, so the fans are, you know, fan perception is one thing and what goes on in social media and the public is, um, you know, what you see about the team, but not necessarily how they function in internally. And, mm -hmm. um, I would say that honestly, they're, they're both very, very similar, the similar structure corporately and the culture is almost identical. I think the big word that comes to mind for both offices is collaborative. Okay, And especially with corporate partnerships, which again, we'll dive into a little more what I do specifically later in the show, but um, corporate partnerships works with every single other department mm -hmm. in the organization. So you have touch points with digital media, you have touch, touch points with marketing, you have touch points with community, you have touch points with hospitality, with mm -hmm. ticketing, with suites, everything is encompassed into 
what you do with corporate partnerships. And yeah. I left out legal and contracts, which is a huge part, and uh, <laughs> and and finance, which is you know obviously all everything that we work for. So um, it, there's just so much that goes into it, and and again. Both organizations do such a good job of utilizing the talent that they have at their disposal within the office and using the people that are great at social media and using the people that are great at marketing and using all those resources to build a successful partnership with whoever we partner with. Got it. And I think that kind of leads us into corporate partnerships, right? Yep. I think as as a fan, as a somebody who kind of stands by on the side and doesn't really necessarily see everything that goes on in the business, right? I get to hear from you every once in a while when we talk about it, but at the same time, like I see Russell Wilson signing a $140 million <laughs> deal and I'm like, damn, y'all make that much off of ticket sales, right? And it's we see all these other players in all industries of, of sports making millions and millions and millions of dollars and we see these owners making billions of dollars and we won't even dive into the owner aspect of it, but from the aspect of like gaining money for the business, right? You guys have to do more than just make money off of ticket sales. And we all know our favorite stadiums as the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Safeco Field, right? Or now T-Mobile Field, Um, CenturyLink Stadium. And I believe that that's what corporate partnerships is, but would love to get your perspective and your insight onto what actually corporate partnerships is, what you do for corporate partnerships, how you guys go about it. I mean, just just give us the download on this bad boy because I think that this is interesting, especially as a fan and a standby guy who really doesn't know all that much about the sports industry. Of course, yeah. So I think high level and the best way to just kind of condense it down into a few sentences is that um, all these corporate companies, the Starbucks of the world, the CenturyLinks, like you mentioned, the T-Mobiles, they're all searching for that same fan connection and that passion that sports fans have for their organization. Yeah. So they want to be associated with that love, that intense fire and that, that desire for victory and and everything that comes with a sports team. They want that associated with the way that fans look at their brand. Gotcha. So that's a high level ultimate goal, obviously for everyone is to drive traffic and to keep your client or keep your customers coming back and, and oh, purchasing yeah. your products. Keeping them engaged. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, so from a day-to-day standpoint, um, like I said, we, we touch a lot of different bases in corporate partnerships. So I do everything from something as simple as getting a Ticketmaster account set up so that my client who purchased tickets as part of their deal can get their tickets for the regular season. Yeah. Everything from planning full season marketing and activation plans. I get to work on digital ads uploaded to the website and mobile app. I work on uploading TV commercials, radio spots, social media ads, logo locker materials. I run punt pass and kick events, in-game features, LED graphics in stadium, live promotions on field, partner events with Q&A personnel, community events. I even work with the Washington State PTA on fundraising <laughs> programs uh, for schools across the state. Sheesh. So like I said before, you get you get the opportunity to really learn so much from the professionals around you in the office. So I think that well i'm gonna st- i'm gonna stop you there real quickly yeah. because you get to do all these different things right? right and you're touching so many different aspects of a business from digital marketing all the way to legal all the way to running ptsa programs and fundraising <laughs> programs but these are all for certain clients right so you have like a client portfolio from the way that i understand it absolutely and what you're doing is going and executing these for the client like what how does how does the client tie into all of these different things like 
where does Thomas come in, in in that aspect? Right. So, so we definitely have some prospecting tools from the sales point of view, where we look at other companies that have partnered with teams, and we have a huge database of of potential new partners as we move into each season. But um, a lot of the times, it's it's the other way around. A lot of times, companies come to us, and, yeah. and they want to partner, and they come to us with an idea, with a promotion, with um, you know anything from a radio spot, like I said, TV, digital ads, whatever it may be, they come to us with an idea and we ask them what their end goal is and then how we can help them. And then we go from there and we build a comprehensive marketing plan for them. Okay. And it's tailored to every single client again. So John Juice is, is really passionate about schools and fundraising and, and furthering education for the public. And so that's how we came up with that Washington state PTA um, alliance with them. And we, sell fundraising cards to the schools so that they can then sell for a higher price to um, parents, um, other PTA members, just members of the community to help raise their money. So whatever it may be, we figure out a way to build a plan for them. So I like to think of myself as, as more of a, a problem solver or maybe a master of none and a jack of all trades. Okay. Uh, just because again, I, I feel like every single account that I work on is different. But that's something that obviously keeps me on my toes every single day, keeps me an innovative thinker, yep. keeps me moving forward and, and looking to improve and build on things from past years based off the experience I gained from maybe another account. So, yeah. Um, and how would you say that so they're, much. sorry, sorry to cut you off, but okay. how would you say that they're different, right? Like I'm hearing that because you gave the example about Jamba Juice, right? right? And how Jamba Juice is really passionate about schools and helping parents and helping students. So you created this Washington PTA program to help them fund or help Washington schools fundraise right. with Jamba Juice's name and the Seahawks' name on it, right? So, <coughs> excuse me. So how would you say that a client like Coca-Cola or any other client that you're working with would be different from a Jamba Juice and how do you go about like approaching different clients like that, right? Because I think it's important to understand what it is that they want to get out of it. But being an outsider, I have no idea how exactly you guys go about that sell. And then from the sell to execution to one, keep you guys happy and deliver on what you guys want as the Seahawks, right. but also to deliver on what a Jamba Juice or a Coca-Cola or a you know Starbucks or Nestle would want out of it too. Right. So I think it's uh, it's about asking the right questions at the beginning and, and getting an understanding of what their business is and what drives their business. So for example, I you know Coca-Cola might be the most mainstream one out of all of them, but yeah. it's to drive retail sales, of course. Mm -hmm. So it's to get people to buy more Coca-Cola in the Pacific Northwest, and that association with the Seahawks will inherently provide that for them yeah um but again it, it sounds so cliche but it, it really is about understanding their business and just listening to their needs listening to what they want that a lot of times partners will come to the table or potential partners will come to the table with um, examples of things we've done in the past something that they might have seen on social media that they thought was captivating they just want the new opportunity the next big thing to engage fans with gotcha and I also have a really funny question because as I think about this, it's it's funny to me. So when we watch the Super Bowl, right, we see all these Pepsi ads. We see Odell Beckham Jr. drinking a Pepsi, which we know he doesn't drink. Um, I, I'm totally joking about that to all Pepsi fans. Um, but how do those partnerships work, right? Because you guys work with Coca-Cola, but the league works with the with Pepsi. And quite frankly, I've been to other stadiums and I've seen Coca-Cola up in every other stadium. So. Right. 
it's interesting to see how there's a difference between the NFL and what you guys do. Can you explain a little bit more on how those partnerships work, don't work? Is there exclusivity? Like, wh- what are what are kind of yeah. like the the things that you guys go through when working with partners and the league office as well? So we're really lucky in that the uh, NFL lets us operate as our own entity. Okay. So any partnerships that they have are exclusive to them, and partnerships that we have are for the Seahawks. So like you said, you'll see Coca-Cola in Atlanta and maybe New Orleans and a, and a few other stadiums, but there are a ton of stadiums out there that have Pepsi as their main sponsor. Yeah. And some that have RC Cola. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland Brown, shout out. Uh, so so again, it's... it's um, it's tough to to really compare one team to the other or one team to the league again because they're just operating as their own entities but i think everything that we do is also strategic from an internal point of view in that again can we help this partner and not only that but when we do help them will that continue to give us credibility as we move forward and want to sign more partners i think that's a big big aspect of it we don't just approach deals and go in there and try to sign every single person out there every single sponsor and get just as much money as we can because that way we're going to lose credibility when we do that if we can't deliver on something then you know no one's going to want to partner with us in the future totally so we have to be really thoughtful about how we go about prospecting our clients as well and and figuring out if we actually can help them and if their goals are something that we can help them accomplish that makes sense that makes sense and now that i'm thinking about it would you say that the exclusivity around the nfl sorry i'm not going to get off of this topic just yet (laughs) is more around the tv deals that they sign right because as i watch seahawks games Pepsi is shown on, you know, whether you call it a commercial or they might have like the Pepsi halftime show or something like that. But if I'm actually at the game experiencing the game itself, which I'm lucky to have you for tickets for, um, (laughs) you see Coca-Cola everywhere, right? So it's almost like the difference between the NFL owning the rights to the TV deals, it sounds like, and then the Seahawks owning the rights to everything that has to do with the Seahawks, X the TV deals. Well, there, there is, there are local broadcasts. Um, so there are regional broadcasts. It might be being shown nationally with some, you know, league partners that are inserted for the local regional spots. But there are X amount of spots per NFL broadcast that are designated for the team sponsors and gotcha. the team's um, TV inventory to execute. Um, so that's where you'll see the differences between, you know, again, like you said, the Pepsi halftime show with the NFL. And then when you're in stadium, you're watching some feature on screen with a Coca-Cola bottle or something like that, or yeah. a football that goes into the helmet and they try to find it like a helmet shuffle. So, okay. um, that's, uh, it's again, I feel like we're just very lucky that we're allowed to do that because I don't have a ton of experience in other sports industries, but I'm not sure that it's the same way. I'm not sure that they're allowed to control their own broadcasts, radio and TV um, like we are in the NFL. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I, I, you're, I have no idea if other sports teams get to <laughs> get to own their sponsorships or not. But I think this is super interesting. I want to keep going on it. And off of the topic of the NFL versus the Seahawks, because I think we've kind of subsided that topic now. And now I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk a little bit about how you get to work with all these cool players, right? So I've got to meet Russell Wilson one time. He's an awesome guy, fantastic man. And now he's worth over $140 million just off of his salary, not even to to mention all of his different sponsorships and all the other things that come into play and Sierra's salary. I mean, shoot, I, I couldn't even imagine. But you have like people like Pete Carroll walking around the office and you have Doug Baldwin who was walking around. You have all these awesome guys who are high net worth 
and high value guys, right? right? So what is it like working in an office with them? And then you also have to work with them, I'm assuming, because you guys are all colleagues. Yep. So I'd love to just understand how those relationships work. And especially being a fan of the NFL, when I first saw Russell, I was kind of geeking out. So I could only imagine what it's like to walk into the office and see Pete Carroll chomping on his gun, gum, his gun, his gum all the time and how he's got millions of packs in his office. Can, can you just explain a little bit about how, how that relationship works? Yeah. So I, I heard a really interesting tidbit from my boss in Atlanta um, on my first day of that training camp internship we talked about earlier. And the first thing she said was that when you work for this organization, you are no longer a fan. Now there's a deeper meaning to that. It's it's not that you can't be in the stadium cheering and making crowd noise when the the team's playing, but when you're around the facility and when you're when you need to get your business done, those players are not there to deal with a fan. Yeah. You have to pr- conduct yourself as a professional at all times when you're in the office. So I I think there's, you know, not a a misconception but but it's it's skewed a little bit in in the view that that some people have of the sports industry and and how you go in there you know you're not really buddy buddy with these guys now mind you they're incredibly nice people and what you come to find is that a lot of them are just 24 24 year old 24 25 year old guys that just happen to be extremely athletic they're really normal they're down to earth they're funny they're great to hang out with um but again going back to that you can't be a fan aspect it puts you in that professional setting, which then in turn turns you into sort of just the corporate partnership guy from upstairs with the players. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'd love to I'd love to learn a little bit more about your mindset on being professional around those guys because as I think about it, right, and I'm you were at the dang Super Bowl. I didn't want to touch on this topic, but it's coming up in my head anyways. The Falcons versus the Patriots, and all of you guys know it. If any of you guys are Patriots fans, please, please, please do not bring this up. However, when I think about that game, I immediately want to blame Matt Ryan, right? I'm immediately like, what are you doing, Matt? You got to throw the ball away. Like, you don't take a sack in those, and and you just get so fed up in your emotions that it's almost like I was furious for everybody back at home right Right. now I was watching that game out here but regardless like I couldn't even go to work the next day I was so embarrassed but would love to understand what your mindset was like when you're going in that and you heard that from your boss the first time that you are no longer a fan right and that's some heavy stuff to say to a 21 22 23 24 like a young 20 year old to tell you to take your emotion out of every single thing that you've been used to doing for your entire life you're an athlete You've won games, you've lost games, you're on your highest high when you win, you're on your lowest low when you lose. It's a very emotional game, right? So I'd just love to understand a little bit about how you flipped your mind and was like, you know what, I'm a professional, I work for this team, I no longer can be that emotional fan anymore. I have to be objective about things, I gotta be, again, professional about these guys, and at the end of the day, we're all colleagues and I can't blame these guys for something, especially a lost game, Matt Ryan. Right. I mean, to be completely honest and transparent, it was it was very intimidating on day one, and and I really didn't know how to conduct myself. You know, yeah. I was just learning to be a professional, was in my first professional setting, and so I didn't know outside of don't take pictures on your phone and don't post things <laughs> to social media. I didn't know what being a professional meant, but when it really comes down to it, it's just like anyone else in the office. Like you said earlier, they are our co- colleagues. They might be famous and they might make $140 million a year, but at the same time, they're coming to the same office as us. They're doing community appearances. They're working with us with corporate partners. 
for example, today we had a punt pass and kick event and Michael Dixon was there. Our, yeah. our all pro punter was uh, teaching uh, all the, the guests of Windermere, one of our partners, how to uh, punt, pass and kick out yeah. on the field. And so again, they're, they're your colleagues, but, but it's, you can be cool with them. We see them in the cafeteria. Like you said, we see them walking around the hallways. You can say, Hey, you can, you know, have weird, funny interactions with them. I, I was in the, uh, the breakfast line one morning and was putting Tabasco on my eggs and I feel this presence over my shoulder and someone just says in my ear, Oh, is that Tabasco? <laughs> and I'm and I just say, Yeah, and turn around not thinking of who it is, and it's it's Nick Vanette, one of our tight ends, and he's just like, Oh man, I hate that shit. <laughs> and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I've never talked to this guy before, so I just looked at him and was like Oh, you more of a Cholula guy? <laughs> and he got a little chuckle out of it, you know. It was just, it was, it was cordial from there on out, and we were able, you know, I see him every once in a while in the lunchroom again, and um, so you can take it easy with him. You can kick it back. I've had a couple of the Alabama guys on the team talk a little smack when I wear my Clemson shirts in. I just tell them it takes a special person to look this good in orange, but <laughs> <laughs> they get a kick out of it. But again, like I said, they're just normal guys. So uh, it, it's just once you find once you move past sort of that, that barrier of being a little bit intimidated and starstruck, yeah. um, it, you kind of, kind of settles in and, and you get to be uh, much more, um, or much less awkward with them. Yeah, totally. And that kind of brings me around to thinking about like the first 90 days at work, right? Where people are kind of evaluating how you're going to act, how you're going to respond to certain things. They are, I mean, like you're underneath a microscope for your first 90 days. And I think it's important that, you have to be focused on the fact that you have to be professional about it. And you, I mean, you even said it, right? Like I didn't know how to be professional. I'm just now starting off in the work world, right? Like I hear stories about how to be professional. I've seen it on YouTube. I've seen Gary V be professional, but that man's cussing up a storm and telling everybody <laughs> that they're wrong and all these different things. And, and I love Gary V, right? But at the same time, you can only take so much off of learning from somebody else until you actually have to put yourself in those shoes and go do it. And I think it's important for everybody to note that you don't know, being professional, there's not a formula to being professional. There's no one is going to be able to tell you, you know, you need to do this. You need to dress this way. We are all millennials and Gen Z is coming in hot. And I'm telling you, <laughs> tattoos are now a thing in the workplace. Piercings are now a thing in the workplace. People, the, what used to be the norm 20 years ago is no longer the norm. So from a professional standpoint, that could be changing. But again, around the focus and how you act isn't changing at all because you still have to be able to be cordial with your colleagues. You can't blame them for crap that goes wrong because at the end of the day, it, we all make mistakes, right? right? And those guys only get to make 16 games is their full year. And we all get 365 minus your weekends and your vacation days, but we have a lot more chances to make mistakes, whereas their mistakes are a little bit heightened. Yeah. They're also playing in front of millions of people and they're making millions of dollars at that expense. But again, they're also playing in front of millions of people who scrutinize them more than they even need to be hearing. So right. I love that. Absolutely love that. And um, my last topic for you is people who want to break into sports that maybe don't necessarily want to work in football or like you said, like they, the, you wanted to work in any sport, whether it be the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, like all these different things. Would you say that an internship is kind of vital to getting a full-time role within sports? Or do you think that there's ways to wing your way in there from an entry level position, right? Where you can get sales experience and then go maybe transition into sports. 
Well, I think there's a couple avenues um, that you can find success with. Um, I, I think the first one and the easiest and the least comprehensive to get involved is is what I talked about a little bit earlier in that teams always need help on game days or pep rallies or whatever event it may be. And a lot of organizations have more or less a part-time database um, of college kids, of high school kids that we have in there um, that are willing to spend their time on the weekends to come out and help with us. Uh, Specifically for the Seahawks, it's called our street team. Okay. And and they're they're out doing the dirty work on game day. They're up early in the cold and the rain, setting up tents and helping the activations get ready. And that's a lot of the stuff that I did when I would drive down in my early mornings to Atlanta. Obviously, Atlanta weather in the fall is a little bit better than Seattle weather in the fall. <laughs> that's a fact. Um, but but that's, I mean, that's, it's and again, it sounds so cliche, but that is the best number one way to get involved. It shows that you're willing to go above and beyond. You're willing to, to come on a whim, come on a random call to come help for events. And, and it shows just that commitment and that work ethic and, and that maybe, you know, we need to take a second look. This could be worthwhile for us. Yeah. Um, so that that's definitely one, um, one avenue. And I think that's the fastest way to get involved directly with the team. Um, but there are a lot of companies, again, Coca-Cola's of the world, that have a sports corporate po- sponsorship team. Yeah. And agencies that have sponsorship teams. And yep. so you can start with one of those agencies or one of the corporate companies and you'll have first name basis contacts with multiple teams. These agencies aren't limited to just working with the Seahawks. The agencies I work with work with the Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks, Mariners, San Francisco Giants, LA Dodgers. You're going to have touch points at 15 different teams. So that's a great way to develop relationships, great way to establish yourself, show your work ethic, work hard for them as a client. And you know, if you ever want to get into that field and you go ask them and reach out for some advice, they're probably going to have a great answer for you and connect you with somebody. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what's your thought on working for teams that are like a level below the top professional team, right? Like right. in the MLB, they have triple A, double A, single A, all the way down to like rookie ball. You have in the NBA, you have the NBA, and then you also have the G League, NFL. Not really a developmental league, but you can maybe work for the CFL, you right. know, or maybe I wouldn't even say the AAF now that they're gone, but the right. XFL is coming up. Like, what's your thoughts on these other leagues that are kind of like feeder leagues? Because the way that I see it is that maybe it could help you get that step up into sports or it could help right. you get that experience in it. But we'd love to get your thoughts on that. No, that is an incredibly valid point. I'm so glad that you brought it up because that is another great avenue to take in order to get into sports. A lot of those teams are very small, tight-knit organizations. But again, they're a feeder team in, in baseball. They're a feeder team for an, an, an MLB franchise. In G League, they're a feeder team for the New York Knicks, the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. So you're going to have connections with the, the main top major league um team but uh again you're gaining that same sort of experience the live events the activations in game the features on the jumbotron the leds social ads all those things are still relevant so that is another amazing opportunity that people can capitalize on and and you have to be patient with that one um again because like i said earlier people don't move out of sports They, they stay in their positions for a really long time so it's a tedious process you got to check every day um, teamwork sports online is is a great asset that I used to use to okay. find the positions. Um, now, luckily, when I got my first internship, obviously I had internal connections with the Falcons and whatnot to help me move on from there, which is another point that I'll touch on in a little bit here. But so teamwork sports is is a great asset for anyone that is looking for the positions. Now, I I can't promise that you'll get a call back or he'll get an email response. 
um, from any teams, but it's a great database to find what's available and find avenues to pursue um, yeah. as you're trying to infiltrate the field. Um, but, but going back to my internship in Atlanta, I think one thing that is is such a redeeming quality for, especially for the old team that I used to work for in Atlanta was that they knew that this was a short internship. They knew that you were excited about this opportunity and you were getting a taste of working in the premier sports league in America and probably the world in the NFL. And so that when that came to an end, you were going to be bummed. You didn't know where you were going to go next. Yeah. And the Falcons team did an absolutely amazing job of setting us up with connections and setting us on the right path for our next steps in our careers. So just a, a little brag point for my team here. Um, out of seven interns that we have, I'm with the Seahawks. One of my old counterparts is still in Atlanta in corporate partnerships with the Falcons. Another one of my colleagues is in Chicago with the Bears. And the last one is in Atlanta with the Hawks. Okay. So four out of the seven, and those are the four that wanted to stay into sports. We had yeah. another guy who was extremely good at uh, um, social media, and he goes and, and, and works for Arby's now, which is okay. an amazing position. Yep. And and uh, we had another counterpart who decided she wanted to go the fashion route and now is in fashion school in New York. So she's doing her own big things. Um, <laughs> but, but again, just showing that four of us wanted to stay in sports, in corporate partnerships specifically, and now all four of us are in one of the major leagues, it's it's absolutely unbelievable and it's it's really um just it reflects back so well on the falcons and how they help you get kick-started in your career totally totally and thomas this this was fantastic man and i absolutely love sitting down and talking to you i mean we talk every night we talk every morning shoot but i want to kind of recap this because i think you said a lot of very important things not only about breaking into sports but about the work life in general and it's the tenacity that you had you were willing to drive and commute six hours a day on Sundays while in college to work for free for the Atlanta Falcons to continue your internship. You took a leap of faith. You moved out to Seattle. You ended up saying, you know what? I know that if I want to work in sales, I need this one skill that's going to help me get a job in sales, especially in corporate partnerships and sales for an NFL team, which is, I don't know, selling. So you went and (laughs) sold for Drew Brew, which is a fantastic craft brewery out here in Seattle. And then from there, you were patient and you were able to wait until that right job came about. And like you said, there's not always openings in sports because people stay in their jobs for a while. So people have to be patient about it. But there are also other avenues than only going to work for another team, like agencies or working for a big corporate company. Yeah, big corporate companies and going to work for their sports division, right? I mean, I don't know transparently if we have one at Nestle, but I do know that Nestle has partnerships with companies, especially big NFL teams. So I'm sure there's something in there that we can look around at. But again, like I just thought that this conversation was so great. We got to have you back on, man. I mean, I mean, shoot, you live uh, three steps outside of my door. So, uh, so we're definitely going to make this happen again. Yeah, literally. (laughs) And we just re-signed our lease again for next year. So super excited about that. Super grateful to have you in my life, man. I think one thing that's important to note is that I had no idea that you were moving out here when we initially got this conversation rolling. I mean, we were both at our my younger brother, your younger sister's high school graduation. I was drinking wine because I was like, the only way I'm going to make it through this 17 million hour thing <laughs> is by having at least a little bit of wine with me. And then we reconnected there. And that's when you told me that you were moving out here. And it was just a blessing in disguise. And I can't thank you enough for being so amazing our entire life and bro this was 
This is an awesome podcast. So thank you so much again for coming on today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And hey, same, same goes to you. Amazing to have you in my life. You're an amazing friend, amazing person, incredible worker. And, uh, you're, you're an inspiration to, uh, to everyone that follows you. So <laughs> keep going, keep, keep Thanks, doing it. Man. Thanks. So y'all the sweepstakes is over. We have two winners. The two winners will be announced on Thursday. That's right. Thursday, May 16th. We will have you guys understanding if you want a hundred dollar visa gift card or a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. I'm super excited to get these out of my hands into your hands. Don't forget to head to it's millennial talk. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's millennial talk and on Instagram at underscore millennial way. Go do something nice for somebody today. Make their day and let's get this bread. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to follow our blog at itsmillennialtalk.com. Follow us on social media at underscore millennial way on Instagram and Twitter. 